you know, and it started off as something that was, you know, you know, fairly local where, you know, a few local organizations were willing to try it. And then we were able to get a few national organizations to try it. And then, you know, I actually got to, to travel to New York to, to meet with the United Nations to get them to try it. And that was Katrina German. And you'll hear more from her in this episode. Welcome to The Other 99%. Hello, everyone. My name is Steve Whittington, and I'm your host. According to Economic Development Canada, 99.8% of all employer businesses are small to medium enterprises. Small to medium enterprises are defined as having less than 500 employees. This podcast is dedicated to exploring strategies, tips, and training for creating success as a small to medium enterprise. On this episode of The Other 99%, the guest is Katrina German. I think that's all I need to say for an introduction. Her name is her brand. A remarkable communicator, a remarkable individual, she has a remarkable story. I hope you enjoy the conversation. What's your story? All right. Well, I'm Katrina German, and uh, I call myself a Saskatchewan gypsy. I grew up in small towns around Saskatchewan and uh, got my degree in history, of all things, and went into nonprofit for a period and then went into film and television, social media strategy, and by the last career that I had. I was a technology co-founder and CEO of a technology company and, and startup. So it's been a kind of an exciting, varying, winding path. And, and uh, I guess that that can kind of be the, the chronological version of what's my story. Unpacking that, your last the last bit of your career has been one story, but you call yourself a gypsy. Why, why the, I guess, the, the gypsiness, for lack of a better word? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, I use that word as just a, I, I like to wander, I like to explore opportunities and have adventures and, and understand the world in different communities. And so I guess that's the, the kind of the term is I'm, I'm constantly traveling and exploring uh, new, new places in the world, but also just new cultures of people within those places. So technology people, film and television people, um, nonprofit people, you know, just it's always interesting to me to get to know people in different communities and so, yes, I, I like the term gypsy because it's a little bit uh, whimsical, I guess. So that quest for new, was that the spark for starting one story? And describe one story for, I, I suspect nobody not doesn't know what it is, but let's let's go through that. Right. Yeah, well, I think so. I think you have to be of a, of a certain... Um, have a certain risk threshold and interest in exploring uncharted territories when you get into tech startup. Um, you're kind of in the... the very front of you know creating new and innovative ideas and so there's not always a path you kind of have to make it as you go so with one story um basically it was an easy way to create and share video interviews and so it's recently shut down um but for four years we had some really cool um groups using us like um we had United Nations women using us for uh to capture stories of men in Albania standing up for women's rights um the Dalai Lama Fellows used us. Uh, they get members from all around the world who want to be applying, and they used our, our service as a way for people to share their stories to be accepted into the Dalai Lama Fellows. Um, just a lot of really neat groups, some local, um, a lot international, and it was just, you know, people basically trying to change the world and make a better, the world a better place and using story and personal stories to do so. So um, it was really quite a fascinating path, and uh, I definitely, you know, we, we had a couple of things that were neat about our technology compared to, say, other video platforms. 
And so the first was, um, it was a question and answer format. So you would actually be prompted with the question um, that the organization wanted to ask. Um, and then anybody anywhere could answer using their, you know, iOS device, their Android phone, their, you know, webcam. And it would create uh, little mini documentaries out of, you know, within about five minutes of the person submitting their answers and uh, um, upload them all to one place. So that was kind of the, the, the cool part. And each of these mini documentaries were branded with the organization um, who was asking the questions. So they would have their logo up and open up the documentary. And, and uh, basically it was instant videos of people's stories that were everybody was talking about one thing and it was easy to find themes and, and really intense, beautiful changes, you know, that organizations could elicit from their from their clients and their causes. And uh, that that was it was just a really cool thing. So basically there were three things that were neat about us. The question and answer format, um, the videos are branded with the logo of the organization asking the question, and then you were also able to crowdsource the videos so you could really find all the videos about your topic all in one place. So from Saskatchewan, you saw this need in the world because your platform got used worldwide to support causes. How, how did, did, did it happen organically or did you see a gap? Like how did that come about? Yeah, well, I think, you know, there was a couple of different reasons why it worked. Um, so one of them was I was doing a lot of social media strategy and my and also just video production and I was like, why is creating video so hard? <laughs> this was a couple of years ago where you really had to use editing equipment and you know even the uploading was a bit much more of a process than it is today. Um, I was also capturing a lot of senior stories and doing videos for families, um, which I saw was really quite a neat. It was a very incredible process because you can learn so much from from these from senior stories and also a lot of nonprofit stories. But I would go through this experience with somebody interviewing them, finding out you know some of the most intense stories of their life and experiences of their stories, and then edit it and put their videos you know their photos in there. And you know by the end, you know I was like, thank you for this beautiful experience. Here's your big fat bill. <laughs> and I just you know I kind of hated that particular process. It was just very expensive to do that editing. And, you know, it wasn't scalable. There's people everywhere with the stories and, you know, there's only me editing these small, you know, small documentaries. So I abandoned the idea a little bit and I'd even trying to go through, you know, women entrepreneurs to try to figure out would there be a way to streamline this editing process, like maybe having people all over Canada, you know, gathering videos and then sending it to one editing house or something. But I just couldn't get there from the business perspective. And then I met my business partner, and uh, he, he was a great, great uh, technology developer. And uh, he said, you know, basically, let's do, create us uh, an app to uh, for social good. I'll build it, you share it. And we went for coffee, and he was like, let's, uh, you know, I'm thinking about creating an app to capture senior stories. I was like, an app? That is so perfect because it's scalable, and anybody can do it anywhere. And it was just something we were both kind of on the same page at the same time. And then um, as we kind of went through it, we're like, everybody has a story. And then it was, you know, that, that others can learn from. And the third part was, like, how do we create a business model around this that, you know, people with exist organizations with existing audiences and existing people who care about it, the topic like, you know, cancer or, you know, or whatever, um, can use their, the group, the story, you know, can use a platform to gather the stories of people who are affected by their cause. And, you know, in that way too, we can also attach a business model because people would pay for the ability to ask these questions organizations would. 
So, you know, it really kind of evolved through these different um, stages of business planning and, you know, and it started off as something that was, you know, you know, fairly local where, you know, a few local organizations were willing to try it. And then we were able to get a few national organizations to try it. And then, you know, I actually got to, to travel to New York to, to meet with the United Nations to get them to try it. And, you know, it was just a really cool experience where as people started using it, you could kind of really see the spin-off effect. And I think by the end of the organization, you know, the last count, we had uh, people who had clients and people who submitted videos from 36 different countries. So it was just a really, you know, exciting thing to watch grow. And, you know, you'd get a video in from some country that you'd never even heard of. And you thought, well, that's neat. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're here in Saskatchewan having such an impact on the world. So it was just a very cool process to watch it grow. And the neat thing about technology is there's no boundaries. You can and be building something in the same way that you can be doing it anywhere else in the world. It's quite an exciting thing. So that's pretty remarkable. You ended up having stories from 36 different nations. This this scaled up pretty fast, and you got the idea from trying to help people get their videos to the world. Would that sum it up? Yeah, that sounds good. I like that. <laughs> if I could describe you, I would say you're you're a connector. You're part of the connection economy. And... Looking at what happened, you know, one story doesn't, uh, you've shut it down. So what would you do if you had to, if you could do it all over again and do it differently? Well, I think in, in any, in any business, you know, there was a couple of things that, you know, if I was just going to go back and change things, I would, um, you know, we didn't start off with a lot of money. Um, we did a lot of debt financing to get things started and, you know, you can only do so much based on a limited budget. And the idea was that the revenue was going to be there um, sooner than it was, as everybody in a startup believes are going to be rich within a year and, and get, you know, your company sold within three. That's a, <laughs> a very common, you know, I think in our first budget, we were supposed to make 1.2 million in the first year. It was nowhere near that, not even close. And, you know, and you just keep trying things and iterating because there's no clear path. Like, here's how you go forward. You know, someone else has done this exact thing before. Here's how you do it. You just kind of need to try and experiment and move things forward. So that's another thing I would change, just particularly for a tech company, is that you need to be able to move and iterate quickly. And I don't think that we did that fast enough. I think we um, could have been you know, releasing different types of features or, um, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, different revenue streams a lot more quickly than we did. And so this is, those are a couple of the things that I would change is basically it's really around those financial questions of having enough before you start. So you're not trying to do everything on a shoestring and, you know, and then, you know, secondly, is, you know, if it's not working, quickly changing it to something that does. And like I said, in technology, you have that freedom. So to summarize, what you would do differently is raise money earlier on, more of it and faster, be able to evolve your platform faster, and then monetize faster so everything is faster, right? That's that's what you think you would do differently? Yes. Yeah. And again, that monetization, like there's a lot of different strategies for monetizing new products, technology products. And I would have liked to have tried more of those to find the effective one um, more quickly than we did. Hmm. Interesting. So being part of the connection economy, I assume that that's what you, you think you're part of and you're a leader in. Uh, what do you think the biggest challenges uh, for today's entrepreneurs and uh, you know leaders um, well, I think, you know, that's, that's an interesting question. I think in technology, um, 
something that's you know been on my mind a lot lately has been sort of maybe even ethics around you know technology. It's an interesting thing because I think the type of personality and, and person who gets into a technology um, uh, company is you know, or who founds one is someone who really wants to change the way that something is currently being done. And, uh, you know, they obviously want to monetize, you know, there's high returns a lot of times in technology, but there's also, it's also high risk. And so it just takes a certain type of personality to be drawn to the industry. And I think that, um, you know, there's also some parts where we're doing a gigantic science experiment right now, you know, with the world and the internet and the way that we're all interacting with technology. And sometimes we're pushing forward without really thinking about the repercussions and sometimes, you know, you look at Uber, for example, or you look at, um, you know, different, you know, Airbnb, right? So we're just kind of like, you know, we don't care about these regulations. We're going to, we're going to push through and, and try a new idea and a new way of doing things, um, than what's been done before because it was ineffective. And, you know, there's major repercussions for different industries, you know, where the hotel industries, the cab industries are really suffering because of that. And so, you know, it's something where it's like, I think that there just needs to be more of a balance at times in terms of, you know, great power comes great responsibility. How do we, how do we make sure that we're, you know, doing things effectively and, and better, but also trying to take into account how this impacts the world. So disruption for disruption's sake, and you don't consider, do you consider yourself a disruptor? Yes, in some ways. But I may be a, a conservative disruptor. <laughs> okay. Is that a phrase? To explain that. <laughs> yeah, you you, uh, you unloaded a, a lot of uh, philosophy about where our world's going there in, the, in, in your answer. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to dive into it because that's just a that's a big big web of things to uh, to or a rabbit hole to go down. Absolutely. I, I think though, what I will ask you what you've seen in the space is how do you as a leader navigate through all these challenges? And you said you, you want to be someone that makes a difference. And is, is that the key that in your industry to be successful, you have to be about purpose to make a difference and not worry about the other aspects or trappings of, you know, a 10 times return. I, you know, I think, you know, you need to keep both in, in mind, right? With any business, it doesn't function if, you know, the finances aren't there and people don't want to invest in the company and such, um, especially in technology. But it's something, though, to, you know, I think that, you know, business is changing slightly. I think that, you know, with a lot of millennials are purpose-driven. I think there's an opportunity there with the younger workforce. I kind of have an entire philosophy around this idea where not only is it just feel good and, you know, to be a purpose-driven leader, um, it, it's also something where I think that there's actually some economic benefits for, from it too. Um, some other things that I think people need to be good, you know, leaders in, in technology are, you know, that passion, whatever it is. Like if you're passionate about sports, you know, if you're passionate about changing the world, if you're passionate about making the financial transactions more smooth, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, you need that passion to, to keep you moving forward um, because it's, it's an intense industry and you need that something to be your driver and, you know, kind of keep you going even through the hard times and, and through the, you know, through the difficult things that come. So as you know, that's just nature, I guess, of being an entrepreneur in general, not necessarily directly to technology, but it is, it, I think it is quite important that you care about the thing that you're, that you're working on and leading. 
So taking those two comments, purpose-driven uh, combined with a passion, and that helps with the, the millennial workforce, there, Saskatoon has become a bit of a hotbed for tech. And if you're an organization that needs to hire somebody with those skills, do you feel if you have those two elements, that's how you help combat the war for talent in Saskatoon? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting, you know, idea, this, uh, the idea of work for talent, because there is, there's absolutely, there's a few really big uh, technology players in the city who, um, the beauty of, of, of these, these organizations growing to the size that they have is they've made it okay We have for people to stay here and work here. Um, our university produces some of the best, you know, computer scientists who are often, you know, computer developers who are recruited for organizations all over, you know, San Francisco, all over the world. Um, and with the, having some big organizations here, we've actually made this a, a, a good place for people to stay and a viable option for them to stay and have their careers right here in Saskatchewan. So that being said, the big players are also able to, you know, set up really comfortable work environments, provide great salaries, you know, and, you know, they're kind of warring amongst each other uh, for developers. I think for startups, the trick is, is again, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are drawn to development because they want to be part of something and part of be like almost a founding team or really contributing something on a meaningful level. And so that's the advantage that startups have is that they're smaller and the impact of every individual is more. And so you have more say in the way that, you know, the product is developed or, um, you know, the way it's marketed when you're smaller and leaner. And so, I think that there's sort of an advantage and it just depends on, you know, the, the person, which, which direction they're going to go. Um, but the beauty of it is that this is a place that's viable for people to stay as developers, as, as online marketers, as, you know, business development folks in technology. And, uh, it's quite an exciting time actually to be here, to be seeing this, this, the shift and the way that people are perceiving, um, and getting excited about, you know, technology companies in Saskatchewan and in Saskatoon particularly. So the fact that there's more and more uh, people staying and more and more businesses evolving and more and more talent uh, being produced, you think the market will just uh, meet the demands and uh, everything's going to work out? Or, uh, or what's your thoughts? It, yeah, I think it will. It does drive up the, you know, the salary, you know, expectations and such when there's more competition, of course. Um, and I also think though, too, that there's, you know, there's also alternatives. There's a lot of, you know, virtual employees and, you know, virtual development houses and such that are, you know, there's opportunities there to be working outside of Saskatchewan with different groups. Um, because again, with technology, you, you can, um, and so I think that, uh, it is a good thing. And I, you know, I, I've talked about this before with, uh, talking about different places in Canada and when, I would speak to people, especially investors from the East Coast. A lot of them would often refer to when Radian 6 was bought by Fit Salesforce. And this was the, the big, you know, the company that grew quickly, that became a, a really um, great, uh, you know, company where that had a lot of employees out there. And, and then when they sold, everybody benefited. The entire ecosystem benefited, um, had benefit. And so it was... Um, I call it the champagne product of the East where every person who was attached to it got benefits. So a lot of the people who were employed there were able to go off and have startups and there would be money to fund them. Um, there'd be programs to help them. There would be people who have experience having a successful company who were there to mentor them and walk them through a lot of the minefields that can happen. 
And so I see that now happening in Saskatoon where, you know, we just saw skip the dishes there, you know, between here and, and Winnipeg, you know, they, I think they were sold for, well, over $110 million. Um, dollars. I don't remember the exact number. And, uh, you know, and we're starting to see a lot of excitement now of, oh, I see this can be something that can happen here. Uh, we've got Vendasta, who's a, you know, a company growing very quickly and becoming like the fastest growth ca- company in Canada and being named that by Deloitte. And, you know, like there's some really cool things that are happening here in that technology space. And I think there's an opportunity to see that improving the entire ecosystem. Yeah, one or two more unicorns and uh, things will be away to the races. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you you have a very interesting story, uh, but you've told us about uh, what you do as opposed to who you are. So let's let's talk about Katrina, because uh, <laughs> I think people want to know uh, who you are. So I've got three questions. Yeah. Uh, one, do you have daily rituals that keep you focused? Uh, two. Where do you get your drive, your, your gypsy drive from? And uh, what's what's your definition of work-life balance? Great. Those are great, great questions. So, yes, of course, I think almost everybody has things that, that keep them focused. Um, for me, something I've gotten into, particularly in the last couple of years, has been actually studying efficiency. And... I spend a lot of time thinking about my time and how I'm spending it and, you know, learning different philosophies of basically how to reduce time spent on things that I don't need to do or administrative tasks um, and trying to, you know, put my time into things that are more valuable that, you know, are something that something that only I can do and things that I enjoy. So that's something that's me that helps me stay focused is, is actually being conscious about the way that I spend my time. And I kind of enjoy it every day, reviewing what I've done and what I'm going to do the next day to make it even a little bit more efficient. Um, I also spend a great deal of time in the tub, <laughs> which doesn't sound efficient at all, but it's really about strategic planning. And and it's one of those things that, you know, I think every person needs that place where they just sit and think and spend time on strategy rather than doing. And, uh, and that's something that I think is really important for, for any leader or somebody who's moving forward is actually thinking about how can I do this smarter? Um, what does this, what does this mean? You know, if I do this in a, in a, what does this mean to me? Is this something I want to be doing moving forward? Or is this something that I'm just kind of doing because I've been caught up in this project or whatever the case may be? Um, the, I don't know, what was the second question about your gypsy drive? Gypsy drive. Yeah. And I think that just basically drives, you know, comes down to passion. And for me, I spend a lot of time thinking about what drives me, um, especially right now, because I'm kind of in a transition period and deciding, you know, what I'm going to be doing for my next steps. And it's really, uh, um, it's something for me personally, I think it's really important to give people the tools that they need to, um, well, for me, a personal drive, I just believe in making the world a better place, you know, and that doesn't necessarily have to be my version of it, but a lot of people who are very passionate about, you know, the environment or about, um, you know, just women's rights or animal rights or whatever it is that people have inside of them that are driving them. For me, I like to give them the tools to do that. So I've been working on a couple of projects to, you know, to just kind of educate people on some of the things that I've learned and, and, ways that they can communicate their passion to the wider, wider organization. I'm actually launching right now a new course called creating kick-ass content, which is 
just basically for people and it's dot com. Um, basically for people to learn, here's how you do things like create a radio ad, create a meme and optimize it for Google. Um, and just like kind of these small things. It's a little bit of a course just to be like, here's how you take this idea, this passion, this something inside of you that you just need to tell the world. And here's how you tell the world. And so that's the, the, uh, the thing that I'm working on right now and really, you know, being conscious about, you know, I guess the type, type of footprint that I leave and what kind of work that I do. So that's, that's what you're, uh, that's, that's what you're working on now. And that's going to be kind of what you're doing next. Um, yeah. and I guess my third question, uh, it seems like I was going to say, do you have a work life balance? And considering you, uh, you know, focus on strategy while in the tub, <laughs> what's, uh, what's, uh, what's your version of work life balance and how does that, how does that flow? Yeah, no, I think it's really, you know, for me, I'm a mom, I've got two kids too. And so it's making sure that I'm there for them when, when they need me after schools and, you know, taking them to their different events. And so being able to schedule things properly so that, you know, I can, I can have that, but also getting maximum impact from the things that I am doing. And so, yeah, so for me, you know, that work balance, life balance is, you know, kind of a mix of meeting with people who are doing really cool things like yourself, um, to, you know, just having meetings and understanding different ideas that are, that are happening out there to, you know, traveling occasionally. I think it's really important to, to see the world, see the way the different people in different places are doing things, um, while also making sure that my kids are healthy and happy and, and, uh, that I have a good relationship with my family and my extended family, which is here in Saskatoon. So it's just something where, you know, I think that's what my work-life balance is, is definitely a mix of am I having good relationships with people and also being stimulated and by good ideas and creating good work. That's a good work-life balance to have. I I hear in your voice that uh, if I was going to write a purpose for you, not that I would be so bold to do that, but what I... I, I in this. <laughs> so what I hear is that you've what I would say is that you've defined your purpose as being able to help people uh, make a difference in the world. Yes. Would, would that sum things up? So yeah. with that, what keeps you up at night with that purpose? Um, well, I get a little bit wrapped up in politics at times in my mind and the way that communications are um, being used sometimes um, in ways that maybe aren't as healthy that I believe for our society, you know, things like that. But I also, I think it's an interesting time. Again, we're just living in a constant experiment. And so we'll see, you know, what, uh, how things all unfold. And it's been interesting to me to just kind of watch this new form of technology and communications through social media, through the way that the mainstream media is, is dealing with a lot of political questions and, you know, some of the differences in society. And I guess that's what keeps me up at night. It's been interesting to watch um, all these different tactics and communication strategies and wondering where this is all going. So <laughs> I don't think anybody knows. Yeah, exactly. The bigger questions probably keep me up at night. But certainly it's something where it's, you know, I, I'm certain it's all going to work out somehow, just hopefully in the right direction. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a very big unstructured experiment. Yeah, exactly. You so. were talking about what's next, mm -hmm. courses to help people. Uh, yeah. we'll go into that a little deeper. Right. Well, this is, you know, this is kind of a smaller project. I've got several that I'm kind of working on right now, but this is one that 
I think it's important, you know, to give tool people the tools that they need to tell their stories and to, you know, get their their passion out there. And so, yeah, so I've created a, a series and we're in the process of creating a series called creatingkickasscontent.com. And it's a free course that you basically get a an email dropped in your uh, inbox every Friday afternoon that just kind of shows you how to accomplish and what is the impact and what is the market for doing different types of marketing. Um, and I was lucky enough when I was with One Story to, to meet some of the best marketers in North America who were doing some very cool things on various budgets from, you know, free to huge film projects. And uh, so I just basically want to be inspiring people to be giving them some information about here are just some different things that you can do with your marketing, with your communications to really lay out an effective message. And so, yeah, so that's basically what creating kick-ass content is going to be is, is just a, a, you know, little snippets of bite-sized bits of information to inspire people and educate them. And, uh, you know, hopefully people can go on to do bigger and greater and better things based on the information. Well, that sounds excellent. I am definitely going to check that out. And uh, emails every Friday, is that what you said? That's going to be the plan, yep. And wow. The, uh, here, here's your Friday afternoon little snippet, something to think about over the weekend. I, I will look forward to that. And where would people uh, find out more about you if they so chose to do that? Well, you can go to katrinagerman.com or um, in about a week or two to creatingkickasscontent.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no, thank you.